All right, let's take our Bible and look at Psalm number 119. Psalm number 119. This morning, uh, we are going to, what we're doing is we're going through Psalm 119, and before we get into, get into the text itself and the 22 divisions of Psalm 119 and Going, uh, going, looking at the verses in, in particular, the past several weeks we've been going through what, what I've called a, uh, a major themes study. In other words, sometimes when you look at the Bible and you study something as large as Psalm 119 or you study a book, it's, uh, it's a good practice to read through the psalm, read through the book, over and over and over, and what you do is when you do that, you start to you start to see major themes that are repeated, and that's how you that's one way to study the Bible. And it's you know sometimes, especially preachers, and especially uh, preachers that are uh, that really really like to preach the text of the Bible. And of course, we know that there are many that don't, but. When we want to preach the text of the Bible, sometimes we miss the forest for the trees. In other words, we concentrate on uh, on on such small things that we miss the big things. And uh, so that's what I would what I'm trying to do here is I, I I've been trying to uh, point out some of the major themes that are in the psalm. And we've looked at the phrase uh, "teach me," and we've looked at the phrase "quicken me." And so what we're going to look at today. The Lord would help us is the uh, is actually two different things, two themes that kind of overlap a little bit, and the themes are uh, meditation and delight. Meditation and delight, and what we'll see in a minute is the idea of meditation and the idea of delight are actually kind of interwoven together in the psalm, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. So let's uh, let's pray, and then we'll read several verses to kind of introduce this. Uh, this uh, theme here. Our Father in heaven, uh, Lord, thank you so much for, first, for the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, Lord, for sending your Son into the world. Uh, though we did not need, uh, we did not know that we needed a Savior. Though that we, we lived in ignorance of you. Though we were unaware of our peril. Yet you loved us and you responded to us with compassion. Thank you for loving us all the way to the cross and with the cross. Thank you for dying in our place, for rising again. Thank you for giving us your word. I pray that, that indeed for each one of us, the word of God would be, would be our great delight as we read in this psalm today, that it would be our meditation all the day. Lord, I pray that you would bless each and every person here. Thank you for the ones that haven't been able to be here but are here today. Thank you for the ones that are listening in but can't be here. Thank you for the ones that are here. Thank you for uh, the attentiveness of each person here and how that you work in their hearts and in my heart uh, as well to, uh, to just draw us to you and to your word, to the truth. I pray that this morning that you would warm our hearts to the truth once again that you would help us to be focused and attentive to what you say, that you would take away the distractions out of our mind and heart, and that you would help us to really uh, set our, our focus, our thoughts, our meditation, and our uh, joy 
upon what we study here this morning. Lord, we confess we can't do anything without you. We need you. Even as we study the word, this is not a work of man. And so we ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at verse, uh, we'll look at several verses dealing with meditation and then several dealing with the idea of delight to kind of get, get this concept into our minds here. Look at verse number 15 of Psalm 119. It says this, Psalm 119, verse 15. So if you'll turn fast, I'll read fast so we can get into the, the, the main part of the lesson. Verse 15 says, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Verse number 97, if you would look at that, verse number 97 actually deals with both in one shot, two birds with one stone here. It says, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. So you have in this verse, you have an expression of delight and love toward God's word and uh, the mention of how the psalmist meditates upon it. Look at verse 111. Verse 111 says this, Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. Verse 131, I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Look at verse number 143. says this, Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delights. Interesting. The mention of trouble and anguish. Did you know another major theme in Psalm 119 is affliction, is suffering. And it, what's mixed in this is suffering with joy. That's what we talked about on Wednesday night to some degree, right? The idea of, to a believer, suffering and affliction and joy coexist. Coexist. You know, to the world... To the world, uh, joy and peace, like we talked about on Wednesday night, joy and peace exist because of happy circumstances. But to the believer, the source of our joy, although we, hey, I'm like anyone else. I take joy in having a well body, right? I take joy in when I have money in my pocket. Do, are, you, do you, guys, are you guys like that too? Do you kind of? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Yeah, Tracy's saying a little bit. Exactly. I mean, like, like they said, that meme I saw somewhere, it's like, you know, it was the time when all those stimulus checks were coming out when the government was giving, us, giving our great-grandchildren's money to us. The, uh, <laughs> there was a meme that came out that showed this, uh, it showed, uh, showed a little character, the little Baby Yoda character, and he had sunglasses on, and he looked like he was having a good time, and uh, he, he, was, he had a box of... Um, like 20-piece McNuggets from McDonald's and a Nesquik. And he's like, this is what you do when you see an extra zero in your bank account. Yeah, so, so we all enjoy that. We all, like, the, uh, we all like, like those kinds of things. But for the Christian, that is not our primary or should not be our primary source of joy and peace. There's those externals. Look at the verse number 143 again. Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet... Thy commandments are my delights. Even in our trouble, we turn to the Lord and we find peace, we find joy in the midst of those things. Verse number 162. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. As one that findeth great spoil. So let's look at the idea of meditation. 
Then we'll look at the idea of delight, and then we'll kind of see how they, uh, how they relate to one another. Relate to one another. Okay, let's think about meditation. What does it mean to meditate? What does it mean to meditate? We think of meditation, the first thing we think of meditation, the first thing I think of coming up, you know, I was a worldling. I think of a Buddhist monk, you know, sitting in the lotus position, they call it, right? And with their, you know, their eyes closed. Really, that's not meditation. Meditation is not the clearing of the mind, which is, what, which is essentially what meditation is in Buddhism. It is the clearing of the mind and the clearing of the desires. No. Meditation in the Bible is actually the exact opposite. Here's what meditation is, if you want to note it. Meditation means to exercise the mind in thought or reflection. To, here's the key, here's the key word. To engage the mind. To engage the mind in religious or spiritual reflection, contemplation, or other discipline. So, contrary to the idea of clearing the mind, meditation is engaging the mind. That is, it is the intentional directing of the mind and thoughts to a particular matter. In other words, you are focusing what you're thinking. You are concentrating and engaging your mind to think upon, in this case, God's Word. Now, um, the idea of, of meditation is, is an act of the will. It is something that if we're going to focus our mind and heart upon God's Word and what He said, it's going to require that we make the decision to do so. We are going to have to say, I will, and you'll, you'll see it in the psalm, I will meditate in thy word. I am going to think about God's word. Now, if you're anything like me, um, you know, I think, and in human nature, I think this is true as well, that we like in our laziness, not just laziness in body, we might be a hard worker in body, but, uh, but have laziness of the mind, right? But hey, focusing your mind on something and concentrating your, your mental energy on something is tiring. It's tiring just like working uh, outside physically. It's tiring. It's not, it's not work for the faint of heart. And if you're going to focus uh, your mind upon God's word, you're gonna have. It's gonna have to be. Gonna, there's there must be some intention to it. It's not gonna happen by accident. Now, what is another interesting fact is in the Old Testament, the word meditate, the word that is translated meditate, is often translated to speak. Now, you think of meditation as something you do silently, but that's not necessarily the case. How many of you have ever talked to yourself? How many of you, Miss Rita talks to herself? As they say, it's okay if you talk to yourself, but just don't start answering yourself, right? <laughs> Meditation means, it means speaking. So the idea is, when you're mulling over and thinking upon what God says, maybe a passage of Scripture, maybe a general theme, maybe a verse, whatever it might be, you're thinking upon God, you think about His works, you're thinking about His Word. You know what you're doing? And I do this, I do this sometimes as well. 
You're talking to yourself about that. You are reminding yourself of it. You are discussing it with yourself. You know, some, one of the best things I can do, especially if I, as I prepare lessons and sermons and stuff, is just speak out what I'm thinking. Because when you speak it, you, you're articulating something and you're giving it definition, whereas before it was kind of abstract. That's good for all of us to do. Now, now just as a side note, now I know God doesn't gift everybody in the church to, to have the ability and the... the, the um, you know, the, the capacity to teach. Some, some people probably in this room do not want to teach anyone ever. You know what? That's all right. That's okay. But you know what is a, a very good tool? Is if you, can, if you can take something that you know and understand and you can articulate it and you can speak it to yourself, that'll help you to be able to understand it better for yourself. And one of the best ways to do that is teaching. Because when you teach, you have to articulate it. You have to give it definition. You have to be able to understand it clearly to be able to explain it to other people. That's why, listen now, teaching your children, if you have children and they're still in the house, right, is so important. Because when you teach your children, you, your, you yourself, you, you yourself are, is that right, are learning. You're learning because you're forcing yourself to articulate the, the truths in God's Word, and that helps you. That helps yourself. So this is the idea of meditation. Talking to yourself about the things of God. Thinking upon them. Focusing the mind. Listen, our mind, this, and this is, this is so contrary. Everything I'll say this morning is contrary to the world's thinking. Pretty much everything. All right, Putting your mind in neutral and just kind of letting it freewheel, like we often do, I often do, is the opposite of meditation. Meditation is when you put your mind in drive. You put your mind in drive, and you, you're going to intentionally think about something. Now, I just want to ask you a quick question before we move on. How often, with that in mind, with meditation in mind, how often do you meditate? on God and His Word. How often do you intentionally think upon the Lord and His Word? The sad reality is that when you survey, and I, when you and I survey our day, it is far too, it's sadly too frequent that our thoughts have not been occupied with the Lord very often. We've thought about bills, We've thought about money. We've thought about health problems. We've thought about family. We've thought about what we're going to eat. You know what? I think about all that too. And all of that is necessary. Like all of it. But the psalmist, just reading the psalm, he says he meditates in God's word, thinks upon God's word all the day. All the day. What does Joshua 1.8, what does it say? Somebody say it. Come on. This book of the law. Say it, Joseph. Stop right there. Meditate therein. What's it say? Day and night. But you know what? This is not something we're going to do by accident. The psalmist says, I will meditate in thy precepts. I will meditate. Now, this, this is a side note. 
Again, you guys know I'm a word nerd. When you read the word will in the Bible, it does not simply mean future tense. In school, we learn, well, if you want to say something, say something future, you say, you say, he, she will play. That's future. In the Bible, the future tense is shall. In the Bible, when you see the word will, that means it's a decision. It's an act of, of volition. Okay? So when you say, I will meditate in thy word, that means you are choosing to focus your mind on God's word. There are many ways to do that. It could be through ver- memorizing verses. It could, you know, it could be just you taking some time each uh, so often during the day, opening your Bible and reading a chapter, reading a portion that you read the morning before. The idea is you're focusing and engaging your mind in that direction. Now, as I said, there is a connection between um, meditating in God's word and the other major theme which is delighting in God's Word. Now, think upon that a minute. Meditate with me, if you will, all right? What do you think about a lot? Accepting worry, if you just forget about worry for a minute, because that's kind of negative meditation, right? So, in the positive sense, what do you meditate upon? You know what you meditate upon? That which you love. That which you delight in. That's why a lot of us think about food a lot. I mean, I'm I'm one of the people that I, I'm one of the people that gets up in the morning, and in the morning I'm already thinking about what I want to eat for lunch, right? You know, you think about sports. Sports are not inherently sinful. In fact, if they were, then Paul certainly wouldn't have referred to them in the New Testament when he talked about mastery. Sports are not inherently sinful, but oftentimes. Oh, you, you, you see someone who, who is just, that's all they talk about, all they think about, all that they engage their mind in. You know why? Because that's a delight of their heart. It's what brings them pleasure. And it's not that watching a game or something shouldn't bring you pleasure. It's just the fact that it's the connection between engaging your mind in something and the fact that it brings you pleasure. That's why we do it. Look at a few of these verses, and I want to show you this connection. Look at Psalm 119, verse 14. This is, not a, this is not a singular occurrence in the Bible, this connection between meditation and delight. Psalm 119, verse 14. Read verses 14 through 16. It says this, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will, what does it say? Delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Notice all the wills. Verse 16 says, I will delight. You know what that means? That means he is making an intentional decision, an act of of volition to do this, despite the way he feels, despite the circumstance. I will delight myself. That's hard to do. I'll just be honest with you. That's hard to do sometimes. Look at verse 23 and 4. Notice the connection between meditation and and delight and joy in God's word. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Look at verse 47 and 48. 
And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. I mean, I don't know what you're seeing when you read this, but when I see it, I see a man who loves God's word. He does not avoid it. He enjoys it. It is a source of delight and joy to him, pleasure. And as a result, he's thinking about it a lot, day and night, all the day. That's what I see. Verse number 77, if you would. Verse 77 and 78 says, Let thy tender mercies come unto me, that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Look at verse 97. I just, again, I love to point this out. Listen to the emotion in verse 97. Listen to the emotion in verse 97. And just simply ask yourself, as I ask myself, do I? Is this me? Could I say this like the psalmist says it? Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. That's quite a statement. That's not a little, a little thing. That's not, a, uh, that's not a, a bar that is low. That's a high bar. Now, if you would, hold your place here and look at Psalm number 1. Because you see the connection in Psalm 1 as well. Psalm 1, verse 1. Pretty much everyone in here is familiar with this psalm. Many of you could probably quote the whole psalm, I imagine. Verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You notice three negative statements. Not, nor, nor, not, nor, nor. Now look, listen. We can tell people what they shouldn't do all day long. But we should never leave them with just the prohibitions, even for ourselves. All the things we shouldn't do. There's many things we shouldn't do. We should not be drinking alcohol, right? We should not be uh, engaging in those kind of worldly amusements that the, the world enjoys, going to uh, bars and uh, partying and those kinds of things. We should not be enjoying wicked entertainment where, where sodomy and immorality are glorified. We should not be doing that. We should not be doing that. We should not be using filthy language and listening to trashy jokes and laughing at those things that God hates. We should not be doing that. But listen, the Christian life is not about a bunch of prohibitions. Of course, there are things that we should never shy away from or back away from things that God forbids and God says are wicked and evil. We should never back away from those things. But I don't live my life, and I trust you don't live your life, 
basically judging everything you're not supposed to do. No, there's a lot of things that we should be doing and should be taking joy in doing. That's, that's why some people, to, to, to hit on something that's a little bit more relevant, that's why some people refer to people that have a narrow and conservative view like we do. It's always negative, right? Ironically. They say we're legalistic. How many of you have heard that? Legalistic. All right, Let, let's, let's just talk about this a second. Legalism means that you believe that you keep some laws in order to be saved. That's the, what the word means. Now, none of us believe that, right? That's obviously a contrary to Scripture. But it also, some people have extended the word legalism to also mean you think that God likes you and God loves you because you, do, because you don't do the bad things and you do the good things. Well, that's not true either. God loved me before I ever knew Him when I... You know, God, God, God's love is not based upon what we do and how we perform. But, all that being said, this legalism, it's like a dirty word. You just, you want to really, or you want to really insult someone? You say, you're a legalist. That's a, that's a big insult. Listen, what God says is true. And if God says something is wicked and evil, it is. And it doesn't matter if I agree or you agree, it's still true. You know what? If I or if you don't like it, tough luck. <laughs> I mean, to be, to be blunt with you, I mean, why, sh we're, we're, why should we sugarcoat what God says plainly, right? But that doesn't mean that's all we focus on. I would say our church especially doesn't focus on those things. Now, when we come across them in the, in the Scripture, well, we're going we're gonna to say it, try to say it at least as clearly as God says it. But what do we see in Psalm 119? We see the psalmist over and over and over describing how much joy and delight he gets from God's Word. And this is what people that put a label like that on, on Christians like us, legalists, this is what they don't understand. They are projecting this kind of negative negativity upon us. And we don't, I don't feel that way. I don't feel bound. I don't feel like I'm in chains. I don't feel that way at all. I serve God because I like to serve God. I want to serve God. Just that simple. Now, I got distracted on that. So let's look back at the song. So you have not, nor, nor in verse 1, but, verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Just, a, just as a kind of an inference here, why is he meditating in God's law day and night? Well, it's obvious. He loves it. <laughs> right? He loves it. He's not staying, on, staying in verse 1. He's moving to verse 2. It's not, yeah, there's some things that we got to avoid and stay away from and flee from. Yeah, flee fornication and, you know, all those things. We should, well, there's things we need to flee from, but, you know, we're not dwelling there. We're dwelling in His delight is in the law of the Lord. Right? Listen, if we, in our service to God and in everything we do for the Lord from our personal devotions, reading the Bible, seeking God in prayer, what, giving out gospel tracts, coming to church, engaging and being involved in the church, 
any, you know, whether it be working down in the kitchen, preparing things or decorating or whatever the case might be. It should be joyful. We should take joy. And, you know, if we're not taking joy in it, in those things that we know are service and, and, and service to God and honors God, listen now, if we don't take joy in that, then it demonstrates that something is, our, our thinking about that, that matter is not, not, not completely right. It's become drudgery. But see, it shouldn't be. God does not intend it to be. We take joy in it, and a lot of, it, a lot of this question goes back to God's Word. What does God's Word say? Because, listen, when our service to God and our devotion to God should bring us deep peace, contentment, and satisfaction. That's what should happen. So use that as kind of a guide. I do. Does this service to God, does it bring me deep satisfaction like it should? And if not, I don't say, well, I'm not going to do that. No, 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 no. I know it's what God wants me to do. So what I'm going to, what I do, you know, I'll give you an example just to be transparent with you. Sometimes I find it difficult to concentrate and focus my mind to prepare Sunday school lessons. Right? So you sit down and you're like, and then you see this on the news and they, this person texts you and you're right and you, you know, you're so easily distracted because you're not engaged. It's hard to do sometimes. And sometimes I find myself, you know, not wanting to study the Bible like I should. You know what? But I don't. I don't say, well, I'm just not going to do that anymore. Oh, no, 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 no. I say, Adam, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I should be taking joy in this. I should be running to do it. So I take it to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm just messed up. <laughs> I'm just messed up. Will you help me? Will you help me not only to do this, but to enjoy it and to, 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 to be just enthralled with it? If, we're, if our thinking and our feelings are wrong, take them to God and just call it out. The Lord can help us. Now, as we look back at meditation a little bit, look at Psalm 77. There is a, a theme as I started looking at meditation, especially in the Old Testament. It's not, it's not very often mentioned in the New Testament. There's a couple of places, but uh, in the Old Testament is where you find the concept of meditation. All right? This idea of talking to yourself, engaging the mind. But what you often find is, the, is different times in the Old Testament, you'll find this phrase, meditating in God's works. W-O-R-K-S, not word, works. And I thought that was an interesting thing. It's repeated often, but it, it brought up a question in my mind, which is this. How do we know God's works? How do we know God's works? Now, I'm not talking about our personal view about well, God did this, God did that. That might be true, but how, what is the standard of what God has done? It's right here. Right? This book is full of a record of what God has done. Right? So when we are meditating on what He says, you read the book of Acts. What is that? A record of what God in the Holy Spirit did 
with the early church. You read Matthew, that's a record of what God did when he was manifest in the flesh. You read the book of Ezra, a record of what God did with Israel when they came out of captivity. You read 1 Kings, a record of how God dealt with the kingdom of the kingdom, kingdoms of Israel and Judah, right? You read Genesis, a record of the works of God with the, the patriarchs. That's what you're reading. You're reading the works of God. And so meditating on God's word is meditating on his works. And listen now, this is one of the chief reasons that we have the Bible. Romans 15 verse 4 says this, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. There is a great truth about God's purpose in giving us the Bible. Now, the reality is we live, you and I, we live in a very small sliver of time. A very, very small sliver of time. So God gave us the Bible as a record of all of his works in the past that, that is preserved for us now. And you know what? All that he has done in the past, that those things that are preserved in the Bible, we have now. And all of those things that God has done in the past impact our life now, strengthen our faith now, give us guidance now, because we know God is the same. He has not changed. It affects our life and our faith. Now, Psalm 77, look at this. Verse 6 says this. Uh, verse, look at uh, verse 5. I have considered the days of old, the years... I'm, verse 5, I'm sorry. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart and my spirit maketh, made, made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? Listen to these questions. He's not answering them. He's posing them. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercy? Selah. He says, stop. Selah. Stop. Now, he's posing these questions about God. He's posing, does God, do, what's happened? You know, he's taking, basically taking a current, a, a present difficulty, which is causing these questions in his mind. Has God cast off forever? Is his anger, you know, all these questions we ask without answers. And then in verse 5, we remember, he says, I considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. That's what God had done in the past that is recorded in the Scripture, right? Verse 10, And I said, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Verse 11, here's the key. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the things that were recorded of God and what God did in time past. That's in the Bible. Look at the next verse, and then we, we bring it back to what we're talking about this morning. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. You hear that word talk? Meditate, talk. That's what I was talking about earlier. Talking to yourself. All right? 
Notice what he's thinking about. He's thinking about what God has done that is given to us in the record of the Scripture. Now, what, do I'm, what am I trying to say here? <clears throat> by meditation, by engaging our mind on God's Word, we are reminded, we learn, we retain all the things that are written in, in the Scripture about God and about what He has done. And those things, just like in the psalm here, those things can serve to answer the questions that come from our present difficulty. You see? By meditating in God's Word, our faith is strengthened today. Psalm 143, verses 1 through 6 say the same thing. Psalm 143, verses 1 through 6 say the same thing. So in this way, our faith, the trouble that we have, and all those things are answered by our meditation upon God's Word. Now, I have to stop here, but I just want to ask you a question. And I'll, I'll have more questions, probing questions to answer, or to, rather to ask uh, next week, because I've been having to ask them myself, and I haven't really liked the answers I've been, I've been seeing, <laughs> to be honest with you. How often do you engage your mind on God's Word? When you survey your day, how much of your day has been given to thinking upon, actively thinking upon God's Word? You know, the Lord's ideal, you know what His ideal is? It is that our mind is just saturated with what He says. You know what that makes us? That makes us a bunch of nuts. To the world, a bunch of nuts. Brainwashed kooks. They've... They think their mind is engaged on money and immorality and partying and drinking and pleasure and revelry. That's what the world's mind is engaged in all the day, day and night. And so they think they're normal because they engage in those things. And we're kooks because we, the Lord tells us to engage our mind on God's word. All the day. I just, what, what, are you, what, what are you meditating upon? What are you thinking about? What am I thinking about? How often do I give my mind to the things of the Lord? If you could say it like that. You know, and the good thing is, is that we can engage our mind on the things of God while we're doing other things, right? We can't. So let's pray together.